Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the Alumni Association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. Welcome, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. I am your host, Drew Addison, and joining me, your Alumni Association president and co-host, Yvonne Addison. How are you today? Good, good. Excited to see our Roadrunner Nation again as football season gets kicked off. Yeah, we are blasted out of the cannon with the football team this year. Big win against Illinois in Champaign. The comment that was made multiple times was that you aged five years in that last five minutes of the game. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I have way more gray hairs now. <laughs> uh, it was it was a fun, fun win to watch. And obviously, you know, we have the first home game against Lamar, which is always exciting as well. We are obviously really proud of the football team, uh, proud of the coaches and the staff uh, bringing those wins home. So exciting. And the community who came out to support the team, even if you were watching from home, you know, we really appreciate the support and cheering the on these student athletes. Let's talk about that student section. So pumped about that. Wow. I don't even remember the last time it looked like that, but to all the students out there that made the effort and got out there and even in the tailgates, you know, it was it was really great to see everyone out there really getting the team going and fired up. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the student section at the game itself was awesome. Yeah, it was really incredible just to see the energy and they led the Alamo Dome in the wave. Yeah, multiple times. Multiple times. It took us a couple tries to get all the way around, but we got yeah. it done. We got it done. And uh, shout out to the Rowdy crew, to the group of students that are managing that group. It is really great to see that you guys are really kind of taking on uh, basically new traditions, a, a chance for you guys to create new chants and things like that to get the student section fired up. Yeah. Uh, so we really appreciate all the work you guys are doing there. We just got to keep it up. Yeah. I do want to say thank you so much for everyone that has listened and downloaded and shared and commented on the episode so far. We have uh, actually reached over 1,200 downloads so far, Woo-hoo! which is fantastic. You know, we're still early on in this game and we're still trying to figure some things out as we're not exactly broadcasters, but um, you know, we're doing the best that we can to keep all of alumni and and current students and faculty and staff up to date on what is happening at the university and with the Alumni Association. Yes, sir. There are other sports going on, namely the UTSA women's soccer team. They actually beat Lamar also 2-1, to which is great. They actually start conference play on September 16th, which is the day after the publishing of this episode, against Old Dominion at San Antonio. Some of their games are actually broadcast on uh, ESPN Plus and Conference USA TV, so you can actually find those there which is really great the next home game so uh so they open conference play against old dominion then they play utep on thursday the 24th and then unt is the next home game on october 1st that's a friday at park west athletics complex 7 p.m kickoff so if you want to catch some other utsa sports i highly recommend to get out there uh, the women are having a really great year so far, so we want to make sure we give them the support that they deserve. Brings us into this episode. I'm actually really excited about this one because this is the first time we've brought on um, a faculty member, namely a dean, a dean yeah. uh, for now the largest college at UTSA, the College for Health, Community, and Policy, or HCAP for short. 
Dean Lynn Kosman. Um, it is such a really great interview to really kind of dive into where she began and what her research entails and even her thoughts on what the university can actually provide the community. Mm-hmm. It's really refreshing to kind of see the work that's being done outside of even just the classroom because I think a lot of times you know, we just have this concept of us going to class and we have grades we have to follow. It's good to see the actual additional work that the individual colleges are doing, not just for fundraising individually for their colleges, but their outreach to the community as well. Yeah, so it was really exciting to interview. So great to hear about her vision for HCAP. Yeah, I think I mentioned this in the interview. If I had been an alumni or received my degree in an area that falls under HCAP now, I'd be 110% proud about the direction this college is going. I think there's really going to be a lot of true tangible benefit in our partnership with the city and the region and really helping to drive better decision making and and data-driven decisions uh, based on the research the university is doing and how they can couple that with the decisions happening around our community as well. Absolutely. And I I believe the statistic was like one in four UTSA alumni are actually now alumni of the new HCAP college. All right. Uh, So to kind of give you an idea of what the design of the college was to create a multidisciplinary aspect to these fields of study. So this includes criminology and criminal justice, demography, kinesiology, nutrition and dietetics, psychology, public administration, public health, social work, and sociology. So that is a a huge umbrella that Dean Kosman is now taking the lead on. So we're really excited to get her introduced to the Roadrunner family as she's relatively new. So this is a good introduction to really kind of see again where she came from, what her background is, and what her focus is not only for the university, for San Antonio as a whole. Mm -hmm. So listen in, make sure you stick around for after the interview as we'll kind of give you some updates on some events coming on and birds up. Birds up. So today we are joined by the inaugural dean of the College of Health, Community, and Policy. She began on May 11th, so she's new to the Runner family. Super excited about that. Today, we welcome Dean Cosman. Dean Cosman, thank you so much for your time, just to be able to kind of take a dive into exactly what the college is. So let's just go ahead and start with that. A summary of what exactly is the College of Health, Community, and Policy? Yeah, that's a great place to start. First, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. So what happened is we have, as you know, a relatively new president and a relatively new provost, and one of the provosts initiatives when she first got here was to think about the organizational structure of disciplines related to health, broadly defined, right? Because it's it's not just med school that you need for thinking about health. You have to think about what we call the social determinants of health, which are very far reaching. So there was a big task force and there were community charrettes and we talked to lots of people across campus and across San Antonio to figure out what the best way might be to organize this new college. So the College for Health, Community, and Policy came about from the former College of Public Policy, which includes demography, criminology and criminal justice, social work, and public administration. And they started with those four departments, and then they added sociology and psychology from the College of Liberal and Fine Arts. And then they added kinesiology, public health, and nutrition from the College of Education and Human Development. So we have eight departments and a nutrition and dietetics program. And when we came into existence in the systems across the university, which was September 1 of last year, we were the largest college on campus. So one in five roadrunners is an HCAP roadrunner. Wow. 
Yeah. That's fantastic. That's exciting. And then the number of faculty, too. I mean, there's 175 faculty in there and 6,800 students as of, I guess, a few months ago. And I'm sure that's going to be growing relatively fast. We sure hope so. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so and, and I, I really feel like that it takes, it really encompasses so many alumni that are out there because, you know, the, the restructuring of things in terms of creating a new college is quite an endeavor create, I guess, what is the path of, of the college, right? When you roll that many majors into one single college, you know, how do they all work together? Sure. Well, very little right now, right? Because we just came together and we came together during the pandemic. So nobody's been able to meet each other yet. But we have lots of plans for how we're going to be working together. And when you're talking about curriculum and students in particular, some of the things that we're doing are developing new interdisciplinary programs. So one that's going through the approval process right now is a new major in health, aging, and society. And that major will cross multiple departments. It's going to be centrally housed in the Department of Sociology but it's going to include students and classes from across most of our departments. Mm -hmm. We're also working on an interdisciplinary master's program, and we're working on an interdisciplinary doctoral program. So we plan on making these transdisciplinary programs that will draw in these various expertise at all levels. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we also, it's, it's not just the class work, right? We want to make sure that faculty are starting to do research together across the, what we call disciplinary silos. We want to bust the silos, and we want to get people to work across those silos. Mm -hmm. So we want people in social work to start collaborating with people in psychology. And since we came from three different colleges, those things were kind of hard to do. But now that we're all in one college, it's going to be a lot easier mm. to do. I love this idea that or intent that, you know, there's a cross-disciplinary engagement and the amount of valuable data that's being collected and shared. Like, I literally am getting goosebumps right now just <laughs> thinking about it. I'm a data person and I just the idea of what could come of thinking about things outside of those silos, thinking about things together, you know, as a college and, and across disciplines, just it's, it's really exciting. There's really going to be some very enlightening things that we're going to learn through the research and things that are happening uh, in HCAP and that are going to go beyond not just our communities, not just San Antonio, Texas, like broader. And it's really one of the things that I'm super excited about that it's going to continue to put UTSA on that global map. So I'm super excited. I'm literally getting goosebumps on my face <laughs> and my arms. And I mean, alumni out there, if you're listening and you have you were one of these majors, like I'm sitting here saying, be excited. This is fantastic news about the direction that this college is going. I think that the, the value to the students is key too, because a, a lot of times, and I think back to my time as a student, and when you have your focus on one aspect of it and you really don't get that interdisciplinary aspect of everything and how, how they all kind of tie together. The value of the education, I think, greatly increases, right? So what is it sociologically? Do you feel like that's what's happening in the world today is driving more interdisciplinary so oh, like absolutely. studies? I think the questions that, so I'm trained as a sociologist. I don't know if you knew that hmm. when, you, when you said sociologically, what makes this interesting? So I think that what HCAP is really about is 21st century education. And so I, I moved here last May and I knew that my big challenge 
was to start branding the college. What are we about? What are we going to do? And so to do that, I really needed to think about what we needed to be for students because if we don't help them get jobs, mm-hmm. then it's, it's not helpful at all, right? I don't know that higher education thought that way 50 years ago, but we certainly think that way now. So when I think about HCAP and what we're doing for students, I talk about the four C's of HCAP. I love alliteration and I love acronyms. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the four C's of HCAP, and I always get nervous when I start this. It came from, I was like, the four C's. Somebody has the four C's and it's diamonds, right? It's cut, clarity, color, and carrot. So the four C's for HCAP, though, are critical thinking. We want to teach students how to be good thinkers and to look at all sides of a problem from multiple disciplines, right? And then we want to focus on career preparedness. And to that end, we're building a student success center we're very excited about. We just hired a new student success center director and our associate dean for undergraduate student success, Alberto Cordova, is going to be working with her and a student development specialist to create all these programs for students, experiential learning opportunities so that they know what their jobs are going to be like when they get out there. That's a big part of it too. So we have critical thinking, we have career preparedness, And then we have community engagement. It's right there in the name of our college, right? We want to be engaged with the communities in all aspects of academia. So we usually talk about the three-legged stool of research, teaching, and service. And we want to make sure that community engagement is permeating all of them Mm. in HCAP. And then I say the fourth C is a call to action. So what are you going to do? Now that we've educated you and you're part of the democracy, it's your job to help make the society a better place to live. So what are you going to do to make San Antonio, South Texas, Texas, the nation, the world, a better place to live? So that's the call to action, the fourth C. How do you see the the, the college's university, the things that you're doing with the students, how, how is that going to directly correlate to uh, not just the university, but the city of San Antonio? So it's a great question. Um, and I think it's a big challenge, right? It's something that's hard to do and you have to be very intentional. You have to work hard at making that connection because we all get in our own silos, right? Not just disciplinary silos, but I'm in my HCAP UTSA little space here and you have to work to reach out to other entities. But one of the things that we're doing to make sure that happens is we've hired an associate dean for community engagements and partnerships. Mm -hmm. So this is somebody she's going to be starting in January. We're very excited about her. And this is somebody whose job as associate Dean is going to be reaching out to nonprofits and the city and corporations to help build those partnerships. And I really do think that partnerships is the whole key for the college, right? Partnerships within the college, across the university, and then out into the city. So some of the things that we're already doing to build those partnerships, some of the big projects that we have going on, we just learned we got a $4 million grant with the city of San Antonio. (gasps) Wow. It's fabulous. That's fantastic. On COVID health literacy. Mm -hmm. So the whole point of the project is to help improve the health literacy for San Antonians in partnership with Metro Health as it relates to COVID to make sure they understand transmission and vaccines and the statistics that we put up on all these dashboards and that's so huge too because there's so much fog of yeah. understanding what the statistics are saying and providing clarity like what's the step-by-step right. process right, right. And understanding it right so we'll be working hand in hand with the city of san antonio and ut health to improve covid health literacy in the city so that's one early win for us wow. right we're not yet a year old and um, we've already partnered with the city on a four million dollar federal wonderful rate. that's wonderful so, i they just mentioned the other day that I think there's like 100,000 people here in San Antonio who haven't gotten their second COVID shot. And it might be because there's that hustle and bustle at the beginning, hurry up, get your shot, get your shot. But then as things sort of 
tapered off, those people might be looking for information. Where do I go? How do I get there? And having that important literacy connection to make sure they understand what the next step is to get that second shot will really be helpful for that. That initiative for sure. Another really practical thing that we're doing, since you mentioned that, as Dean of HCAP, I am also co-chair of the Public Health Task Force for UTSA, Mm. and we decided to do a myth-busting broadcast later this month on vaccines so that we can help our students bust those myths. And we're bringing in two of the panelists will be from UT Health, and the city of San Antonio wants to participate in the um, town hall that we're doing. So we're going to open it up for the public to attend so that we can bust those myths for everybody, not just the roadrunners. Well, awesome. Well, we'll make sure we get that included in the show notes. So uh, those that are listening, make sure that you check the show notes and get access to that so you can attend that for sure. Now, I know we did kind of go a little bit backwards. We kind of got shot out of the gate on and just diving right into it. So I, <laughs> I do apologize for that. For anyone that's listening that may not be familiar with you coming into UTSA, brand new to San Antonio, brand new to the runner family, tell us about where you came from, where it started, and, sure. and how you got into teaching and administration and everything else. Sure. Sure. Well, that, that I could talk about that for ages, but I'll try to I'll try to narrow it down a little bit. So I was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. So I like to say I'm an I-10 girl from way back. <laughs> and although Jacksonville doesn't call itself military city, when I was growing up, there were three bases in Jacksonville. So it was very much military orientation, like San Antonio. So in many ways, it feels like coming home. Mm-hmm. On Take your daughter to work day when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> My dad was was an accountant at an insurance company, and I wanted to go with him and learn about actuaries. Do you guys know what actuaries oh, yeah. do? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I had no idea as a 12-year-old really what actuaries did. But so fast forward, and I thought I was going to be an accounting major, and I had too much fun in college, so I missed the GPA cutoff by a hundredth of a point. Oh, no. So in trying to get my GPA up, I took a sociology class and I fell in love. Oh, wow. So I started studying sociology, which did not amuse my father, the accountant. <laughs> <laughs> but then I ended up going to graduate school. I didn't even know what graduate school was when I was an undergrad. I ended up going to graduate school in sociology, and I found demography, and then I started studying mortality. And I was like, look, it's not very far from being an actuary at a life insurance company after exactly. all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what I actually do is I study spatial disparities in mortality, which is geek speak for I look at death rates at county levels across okay. the U.S. and figure out What's where, going on? where they puddle and why. Mm-hmm. Right. So that took me to a couple of jobs. But my first really long-term job where I went up through the ranks, as they say, from assistant professor associate professor, professor, or department head, um, was at Mississippi State, which is a land-grant institution. And again, I didn't even know what a land-grant institution was until I went to a land-grant institution. But I really liked that Mississippi State, as a land-grant, valued applied research. There has to be a place for ivory tower research where we're changing our way of thinking. But I really think that research that can make a difference is really where my passion is. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed being in a land grant. And I was there, I think, 13 years. 
And then I left about seven years ago to move to another land grant, West Virginia University, and I moved there to build a PhD program. Like, who gets to do that, right? That's exciting. Right. So I never really was set on teaching. In fact, when I started studying demography, I was like, I'm going to go get a job at the census because I don't want to teach. But they made you teach at Florida State before you could graduate. Mm. And so I fell in love with teaching and I taught for a couple of decades, right? But then along the way, I also realized that I had an aptitude and an interest for administration. So shortly after I got to Mississippi State, I started directing their Women and Gender Studies program, and then I became the director of their graduate program, Mm -hmm. and then I became department head. (laughs) Then I moved to WVU, and I built the PhD program, and they just had their first graduate last month, and it's my PhD student who's going to join us in September as a postdoc. Yay, awesome. awesome. And then, you know, coming here was in many ways a no-brainer for me because I started looking, the ad was brought to my attention. I wasn't on the job market. I wasn't looking to leave. West Virginia. But when I read it, I was drawn by many things. This is a college for health, community, and policy. It's not a college of. Mm. So we're not just going to study it. We're going to do something about it, right? Wow. It's for health, community, and policy. And I usually emphasize that little preposition. And it's something that I emphasized in my application letter. It was very important to me. But then I looked at this unique mix of programs that they brought together to make this college. And I looked at a relatively new president and a relatively new provost that had really aggressive strategic plans, you know, making lots of change. The university's on a huge upward trajectory. Mm -hmm. And it just all fits so well. Like, it just fit who I am, right? It's urban serving. It's Hispanic serving, which although land grants are in rural areas, you know, urban serving is really just the city end of of a land grant institution, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this position brought together all the things I loved about sociology, demography, which I apply toward death, which means health, because (laughs) the healthier you are, the longer you can postpone the death. (laughs) So it really was just like literally the whole package. Mm -hmm. I think it's the outward thinking that is really needed in today's higher education, right? So we really can't follow that same guideline, like you mentioned, like it's not the same world that we lived in 50 years ago. Whenever you're looking at different majors and maybe you have some students say, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of interested in this, but I'm, I'm really interested in this too. How do we communicate to the students or, or any, anybody that's interested in attending this college? How, how are they going to be more involved in like the different curriculum and, and disciplines? Yeah, I think the university as a whole and the college as well is trying to look at unique ways of credentialing. So one of the things you hear people talking about in higher ed 21st century is stackable certificates. So I'm going to give you an example of, of a way where you could build and get to a really interesting degree out of HCAP, if that's a, an okay way Absolutely. to kind of answer this question. Yes. Yeah. We're talking about developing a community health worker training program, which normally does not give any college credit. So normally you find somebody in the community with an interest in health. In San Antonio, you might find somebody who speaks Spanish who can go to the Spanish-speaking population to teach them about COVID, for example. Mm-hmm. But if you give them this community health worker training program, they learn about communication and other skills that you need to do those things. What we're talking about doing is putting that together in a university certificate, because normally these community members get this community health worker certificate 
and that's it. And so, you know, they can make $20 an hour, maybe even 25 during COVID. Pay rates have gone up substantially, but there's really nowhere else to go. So what we want to do is make that a piece of a larger program. So if they do their core training at a community college and then they add this community health worker certificate, they could then add another certificate or a minor from social work or public health or sociology, communication, which isn't in our college, but we want to build those bridges across colleges too. And so they build these certificates and they can get what we call in it a multidisciplinary studies degree, right? So that they're pulling together the skills from each of these three different majors that are going to make them a very good community health worker, but also afford them more career opportunities mm-hmm. because now they'll have a bachelor's degree. But if they need to do it in bits and pieces, they can. The community health worker training program is going to be offered where they can take it, I hope, where they can take it all in one semester and then go work full time for a while and then come back and minor in sociology in another semester and which could actually help offset the student loan. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know with some of our classes being online now we can be much more flexible with how we offer curriculum. We had some classes online before, but I think we'll continue to have classes online so mm-hmm. people who want or need to work full time can and take a class every semester or two every semester online so that they can progress. With the pandemic happening, the company I work for, we're moving into a transition where we're really kind of downsizing square footage. All of our employees are going to be working from home moving forward. When it comes to business, productivity goes up. Um, that we've seen, the problem is maintaining the culture that we had going out of it. Right. In talking to the employees within the company, we kind of found that we have to really understand how the communication works for each individual person. What are your thoughts on the, I guess, the shift of the workforce coming out of the pandemic? Yeah, I think I can answer it from a couple of perspectives. I think for our students, we need to make sure that they have digital fluency mm-hmm. as, as we're. So it's one of the skills that we're teaching in our Student Success Center to make sure that they're comfortable with the technologies that you need to be comfortable with for any job. Mm-hmm. So we're also going to be teaching financial fluency. So you might think of these more as life skills that, that we'll be teaching in the Student Success Center. But at the same time, people want to know, are the faculty going to be back on campus, right? Mm-hmm. Are, are students coming back? Are faculty coming back? And with HCAP especially, I think it's critical that we come back on campus because <laughs> A lot of us haven't met each other before Mm. because the college came together during the pandemic. So it's going to be important not only for us to come back and work on campus, but to have events that bring us together as a community. We have to build our own community within the college. And so we've built quite a few opportunities for faculty. We're going to do a research roundtable so they can learn each other across. We have a media club, which we did remotely last year on the 1918 flu pandemic Mm. in the fall and then on COVID in the spring. And this coming year, we're going to use the American Public Health Association has a series of webinars on structural racism and how it relates to health. Mm. And so we're going to do that. We're going to have a leadership book club on, I think the book is called Turning Equity Talk into Equity Walk. So how we can start taking diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations and actually making the changes that we need. Mm. We're brand new college we can build it up anyway we right want exactly so so I'm working on all sorts of ways to get people to want to be on campus and with each other so that we can get to know each other and, and connect and build that culture I think if you work in a unit that has been together for a long time and hasn't had much change that's fine to be mostly remote and you can still stay connected but you may recall that UTSA had a riff last summer and post riff which was a year ago yesterday we had two college staff and seven department staff 
So wow. nine people. Mm-hmm. We now have 21 staff in the college, and that's just the college and department staff, right? So we've also had changes with faculty, and we all need to meet each other and know each other to have this identity as HCAP. And then so the students can feel it too. And the alumni. Right. They want the alumni to, to recognize us as their college too, right? So speaking of alumni, I know you had talked about some of the opportunities for students as they're going through the programs to get these certifications, things like that. What are some opportunities to come back? Maybe you're not ready yet to get a master's degree, but maybe a certificate or additional education opportunities. What are some ways that those alumni can come back and find additional training through HCAP? Sure. So... We have all sorts of certificates that people could complete, and some of them are available online. The one that comes to mind right off the top of my head is in public health and focuses on community nutrition. So that one's completely online, and and so you wouldn't even have to come back to campus to be able to add that credential. And we want to add more of these, obviously, not just full-fledged degree programs. Mm -hmm. And we have several in development, but they're in their infancy. So I would hate to tell you too much about them and then not have them come to fruition the way that they're (laughs) looking right now. But I do recognize, and we do recognize, that not everybody wants two years full-time to get a master's degree. And we do have, particularly in public administration and in criminology, and criminal justice. We have master's degrees that people are doing like part-time at night that are full-time professionals and they come back and, and do those degree programs at night. But I would say that the graduate certificates, like for people who already have a bachelor's degree, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to pick up an undergraduate certificate. We're also looking to build some in demography, but they're not yet up there. But that would give people like data skills. So no matter what your major was, if you didn't get enough data training, here's four to five classes that you could take to learn more about how to manage and analyze data because regardless of your field that's an important skill to have from a demography standpoint obviously with like college of business where ai and business analytics is really important college of engineering is is rolling in on accepting more technology and how to really kind of incorporate that into the curriculum what kind of plans do you have for stuff like that on the demography side yeah absolutely that's a great question so the university has something called a connected hire program and we're trying to work with the college of science engineering and business on a connected hire that would be in HCAP, that would be in public health with a touch to business and to science. This year is the connection that we were doing. And one that you left out too is that we're launching a school of data sciences. So demography really has touch points in health informatics, in the College of Business, computer science, and with the School of Data Science. So I think demography is really one of our great places where we can partner across colleges. And we're starting to build that. Right, yeah. Obviously, whenever you come over into really any university, you're taking along your own research and stuff that you're continually doing throughout your professional career. Now, your focus being on community health and health professionals. And we, again, we're entering a, a really interesting sociological aspect of community where on dealing with these, what are you doing in your research you know, sure. to maybe shed some light on some things like that? Sure. Um, not nearly as much research as I've done in the past. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, anyway. <laughs> right. So, again, when I started talking to the provost about coming here, I talked to her about having a postdoc that would start a year later so that I would have a year to really focus on the college. But with the pandemic happening, I've actually done a fair amount of of publications in the last year on COVID county level analysis, like a lot of my mortality analysis is. But I have two projects that I'm working on building up here. So my team in West Virginia was called the Data Heart of West Virginia. And I told you earlier, I like acronyms a lot. So HEART is an acronym. It's the Health Engagement and Research 
team. So the data heart of West Virginia is moving and will become the data heart of Texas. <laughs> ah, very good. <laughs> but it's also staying put. I have colleagues in West Virginia who are going to keep the data heart there. And essentially what's happened is over my 25-year career of studying county-level mortality processes, I have developed an incredibly massive database of county-level variables. Mm. And it wasn't easy to do, right? You have to go to the census for this and CDC for that, and you have to know how to work their systems, and you have to go to all these other places that have other bits of data. And so what I wanted to do was use the data heart to create a portal so that local nonprofits and small governments mostly would be able to come into the portal and pull 10 or 12 variables that they might need for a project they want to launch so that they can figure out how things look in their county or get the data they need to write a grant, use it to evaluate grants, right? Use it to compare themselves to five surrounding counties and so on. So that's one project that I'm really working on, the Data Heart of Texas. And we have the data in a massive relational database now, and we're working on doing the metadata, and we hope to launch the portal this fall. And I think it can be used to answer a lot of research questions, and particularly, like I said, to help nonprofits to look at how data has changed over time, because this also goes back as far as the 1970s, but I think we only went back to 1980. Mm. So we have... The census year's in there, right, for 80, 90, 2000, 2010. We'll add 2020 when it comes out. In the other years, we have data that's non-census data. But that's one project that I'm working on. Another project that I'm trying to develop is in collaboration with Ray Swisher, who's the department chair of sociology. And I went to him and said, there's a survey out there called Ad Health. It's been going on since the early 90s, and they pegged 80 high schools across the country to start talking to high schoolers and then follow them. So they've been following these same thousands of teenagers, and now they're in their 30s or maybe even their 40s. But by and large, you know, there's some socioeconomic variation in the sample, but it's not nearly as diverse as San Antonio is. So we want to propose a study that we're calling SES, the San Antonio Youth Survey. And so we're going to start writing grants to get it funded. And what we want to do is start interviewing San Antonians when they're in high school and look at when you have minority populations who are in a majority-minority city. Mm-hmm. It's a very different experience than the minorities that might be included in the Ad Health project, right? So we think it's important to look at what's going on in San Antonio and see how different it is. So we can use Ad Health as a model, and we can even include some biometrics and start, you know, if people are wearing their Fitbits and their Apple Watches, we can see about getting data on activity. Mm-hmm. We can see about getting blood samples and other measurements. I think it's a really fantastic project. We just need to find somebody to underwrite it. I really feel like that the timing is right and everything that's kind of played out really kind of shows that you were meant to be here because I really believe that the city of San Antonio could really use some sort of study like that because like you said, this, the city itself is very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that you know, the more that we understand it from that perspective, the, the better resources that the people that work for the city of San Antonio, the first responders and understanding how mental health does affect people differently in different areas of the city even right. is extremely important. Call it divine intervention, but you, you're not <laughs> having the one one hundredth of a GPA point to, to right. go into accounting <laughs> and to go into this. I want to just kind of touch base on how can our alumni get engaged with HCAP? 
Absolutely. What are ways to do that? Um, great word to use. We just launched our first magazine, Engage. We okay. would be happy to send an electronic or a mail copy to any alumni who want to see what we're up to. We have active social media that also tells you what we're up to, but we have lots of events that alumni well, we'll have more events, I would say. We have had some virtual events, but we will have more in-person events that alumni would be able to come to. One example is we're developing a community lecture series. So we're going to have people from the community come serve on a panel with faculty to talk about an issue. I know one we have coming up in the fall we're talking about doing on Latino health disparities. But we'll have six or eight of those over the coming academic year. Are there plans to, to have like alumni councils? or? Yeah, we're working on an alumni circle. Thank you. (laughs) We have Lisa Hernandez has joined us as our chief development officer, and she's our main touch point for alumni, and she's pulling together a fantastic alumni circle. We also have some of our alumni are on our Dean's Advisory Council, and we're working with alumni to come and speak to various classes as well and share their experiences. It's not just about getting the students out to have experiential learning opportunities, but also about bringing the people with the experience into the classroom to talk to them about what it's like. So I think there are a lot of ways that alumni can get involved, and there will only be more ways as we move forward and as we come back to campus. Wonderful. And we'll include some links and things in our notes. So if you're interested in reaching out, um, we'll have contact information for our, our listeners out there to reach out to HCAP. And we'd love to you know help you all grow that engagement from our alumni side, because I know you're listening to what we've been hearing and the direction things are going and just the opportunity to continue to give back and help be a part of this college as it's continuing to take off. And of course, you know, you've earned those degrees, whether it came from a, a different college within UTSA at that time, you, you still got that opportunity to give back to the university, give back to the, the college in this new way. And um, so really excited about that. How does, you know, just great opportunity to kind of meet you and wanted to get to know you also what you were passionate about in your research side, and then also, you know, moving over into the administrative side. And we hear that you are a food and wine enthusiast. Yes. Um, and I'm assuming you've had a chance to go and sample the fine fare of San Antonio. Any favorites? Any favorite cuisine that you like? Favorites are hard. I've been to so many good restaurants and I have a list of 30 more that I want to go to. And and in one of my recent communications, I asked alumni to email me their ideas of places where I should eat. One of my favorites before I moved here was Bliss downtown. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh And we celebrated our anniversary last fall, which was our first anniversary, my husband and I. Congratulations. At at Battalion. And we really enjoyed that. But we have been to so many restaurants. So as a sidebar, I guess a little bit, my goal for my 50th birthday was to hit all 50 states before I turned 50. And I did that. So now my goal for my 60th is to have 60 memorable meals. So everybody tell me where I should go to have a memorable meal. There we go. Start sitting in those suggestions. Yes, (laughs) yes. And I know our listeners, we might be able to post some pictures. Dean Kostman has a really fun purse. (laughs) <laughs> and I want you to talk about this. It is can tabs. It is. And pop tops from, I guess, so, we'll say soda cans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was a gift from my mother years ago. And it was funny because one of my friends here said to me, you have a new purse. And I said, no, we're coming out of the pandemic and I'm using my purses. <laughs> she she was going to accuse me of buying it because we're in a um, self-imposed shopping suspension contest. So <laughs> had, I bought a, had I bought a purse, I would have owed her dinner. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's really fun. I've never seen a purse like that. Apparently, they make a whole series of them because when I pulled the purse out of the closet, there was a little envelope in here, and they make all sorts of shapes oh, and sizes wow. of them. Oh, wow. Now, I've seen purses made out of <laughs> duct tape, purses made out of um, seatbelts. Seat belts. <laughs> this is a new one. It's the first yeah. pull tab yeah. purse I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did a great job. From all this And so- I've gotten a lot of comments on it. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been using it like four days because, you oh. know. <laughs> The world is finally opening up. It's very, very cute. So keep an eye out for Dean Costman as we things start to get in person at UTSA events. I'm sure she'll be participating in, in lots of stuff as university continues to open and we're doing things out in public. So keep an eye out for Dean Costman. Say hello. Um, say hello to her fun purse. <laughs> for those that are listening, make sure you check the show notes for any additional information on the College, college for Health of Community <laughs> and Policy, HCAP. Right. So uh, if you have any family members or any friends or anybody that may be interested in attending this college, we'll make sure we post the information. But Dean Cosman, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. It It was great chatting with you both. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So there you have our under nation, the interview with Dean Cosman from the College for Health, Community and Policy. It is such a great interview with her and, and so excited to see the additional talent she's bringing to the university and her leadership, I think, is going to shine over these next few years to really kind of see what she can bring to light. For sure. Excited. Even just her background research on the demography side of things, especially for San Antonio with everything going on with COVID and, and all that, I think she's going to be able to bring in a process of analyzing data that could be a huge, huge asset to the city. And it's really great to see that UTSA is kind of taking the lead of that. So Dean Kosman, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. If you are interested to learn more about HCAP, please check out the show notes as we do have the websites and contact information listed on there. But it's a simple Google search of UTSA HCAP and it'll take you right to what it is that you're looking for. So thank you again, Dean Kosman. We really do appreciate it. So Yvonne, what do we got going on with the Alumni Association here in the next couple of weeks? Well, we are looking to replicate and grow our Roadrunner Nation tailgate. So we had such a great turnout last weekend for the uh, Lamar game, and we'll be back at it at the SB on Saturday. Tailgate area opens from 2 to 5. And let me tell you, we walked through the regular Alamo Dome parking lot tailgating areas, got to visit with fellow alumni and and check out the scene out there. A lot of whom we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was hot. It was hot. And then we went over to SB and Ooh, that shade and breeze and the fans. And I mean, fans like the people, but also fans like the blowing of the air, (laughs) mechanical motion of the air was a relief (laughs) in a hot Saturday afternoon. So come join us. We will have sausage wraps. There's adult beverages available as well. And of course, please RSVP online at utsa.edu backslash alumni. RSVP is key. Um, And also thank you to the volunteers from the Alumni Association for cooking. The volunteers and the staff, they all came out, put on a great event, and uh, we really appreciate everything that they do to put their time and energy into making this a wonderful party. Let's keep the party going. Yes. So the next home game is Middle Tennessee this coming Friday with a 5 p.m. kickoff. The tailgate is from 
2 to 5 p.m. And remember, RSVP, it really does help us out a lot yeah. on planning the event. So, yeah. um, Yvonne, what else have we got going on? Well, we've got a virtual event coming up called Green Path Rebuild Your Credit Score. This is being hosted by Credit Human, and it's an opportunity to learn how to manage your credit wisely and improve your credit score. And they'll share on how your credit score is calculated, provide you practical advice on how you can use your score and get it back on track if you need to. And they'll also be offering a chance to win some gift cards. It's going to be virtual, so you can sign up. It's a Zoom webinar, and it'll be on Thursday, September 21st from 12 to 1 p.m. So if you just want to see ways that you might be able to improve your credit score, or hey, maybe you have a young alumni in your in your house that could use an opportunity to learn about what we didn't get taught right out of college or high school is how to manage your credit score. Because I know um, how to write a check. Welcome to the real world. <laughs> <laughs> That's just some of the great resources that the Alumni Association is trying to bring to the network. So uh, if you have questions about events, definitely contact the Alumni Association. Uh, you can do that by visiting the website at utsa.edu backslash alumni. And also, if you haven't renewed your membership, that's also a place to do it as well. And of course, you know, everybody's welcomed at the Roadrunner Nation tailgate. So come out, see us this Saturday. Yeah, bring it on. We're, we're also working on some really exciting stuff as it pertains to sponsorships for the Birds Up podcast. We're still ironing out some details on things, but do stay tuned as we will have some opportunities if you'd like to promote your business. But we're still working out the details of that. We'll keep you posted on all things as it pertains to the sponsorship of the show. We would really appreciate the support for sure. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, don't forget that the women's soccer team on October 1st, that's a Friday at 7 p.m. at Park West Athletics Complex, is playing UNT as their next home game. So go out there and support those student athletes as they're doing everything they can to put the university up front and center. Yes, So that's right. super excited about that. We have some really great interviews coming up, so stay tuned. Don't forget to like, comment, share. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think about the show. If you have even guest suggestions, we're open to that too. So feel free to reach out. Thank you again so much for everything you've done for us so far. We'll keep it going. Birds up. Birds up.